Welcome, friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our paths may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life in a body that we love. A life free of diets, free from guilt, and free from shame. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode on the Awesome Inside Out podcast. If you enjoy this conversation, the absolute best way to support is by sharing it on social media and with the people that you love most. It would mean the world to me for others to have access to this powerful content, specifically today's conversation about community. Thank you so much in advance. So in today's world, if you want to know about someone, it's as easy as going to Google to look them up, right? Well, virtually our lives seem to be much more connected and highly intertwined than ever before. We've created a world where communication and connection are at arm's length. And yes, the world seems so connected and it's empowering for us to connect with so many more humans around the world than ever before. But parts of the world, such as our businesses, our work environments, and even our local communities are still missing something, a sense of community, real connection, and meaningful relationships. Because as connected as we believe we are through our phones, computers, and social media, The truth is these factors are often disconnecting us as well. Instead of phone calls, people will opt in for a text message. Instead of handwritten birthday cards, people will send an email. Instead of meaningful conversations through one-on-one meetings, people will do teleconferences. This week on the podcast, keynote speaker Shane Feldman explains how he is integrating community and connection all over the world and why more than ever we need to come together as a community and provide specifically mentorship for those who need it most. Through his firsthand experiences around the world, traveling to over 28 countries, he is spearheading the largest millennial-led movement, Count Me In. Shane has decoded frameworks that enable individuals and teams to connect more authentically and perform at their highest levels. Since Count Me In's founding in 2011, they have initiated more than 30,000 projects worldwide contributing a value over $2.6 billion to the global economy through service. Shane has been featured by Larry King, Dr. Oz, Forbes, People Magazine, and he's the subject of a documentary TV series on A&E. He has worked with some of the world's most dynamic companies, including Google, Microsoft, and Disney, and has been recognized by the White House, the Prime Minister of Canada, and the United Nations. I know our conversation is going to inspire you. It's going to remind you that we all experience loneliness, fear, insecurity, and distance. But we can use these experiences to become more compassionate towards others and bring each other closer through community. I'm so excited to have Shane help us learn how to come back to one another. So let's dive in. All right. Welcome, Shane, to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to have this conversation. I'm excited to have you back. I know you haven't been on the Awesome and Set Up podcast, but we have had a conversation at 
our community, Rising Glen, the Rising Glen Collective, and people were absolutely blown away in tears, <laughs> like in shock of what you have done in your life at such a young age. It was just so profound to witness. And so I know that the listeners today are going to have get so much value from this conversation. I'm just so excited to dive into this again and all the things that you're up to. Me too, Sarah. I mean, it's always such a joy to connect with you and chat with you. That talk at Rising Glen was just amazing. It's such an incredible community, one I'm so grateful to be a part of. And what I love about that and other kind of more intimate gatherings, it's definitely high contrast to the larger stages that I'm typically on when I'm speaking. So it allows us to dive deeper into important topics. And I think you and I will be able to do the same here today. Yeah. And I am so excited to hear about how you got to this place where you just got off a tour of traveling to 28 different countries to study community and the community amongst different parts of the world to really identify what creates a community, what helps community thrive, and how can we take back these principles into our own life here in America to really support one another in an age where I personally feel this. I know a lot of my clients feel this, where it feels as if, although we are more connected than ever, we're actually more disconnected than ever because we're almost using our technology and our platforms as a way to know a lot about people, but not dive deep in each other's worlds. And so we kind of are more on a surface level of interaction versus like, if you look someone up, you can learn all about them. You can learn where they live, how they live, what they're up to, what they're doing. But yet the intimacy of that connection sometimes is distant. And I feel very grateful that part of my mission on this planet is to build community that has depth where we don't bring our cell phones and we're just diving into each other's life. But I'm curious how you got to this point and if you can just share maybe your story of how you got here because I think when people hear your intro, they're like, there is no way he has done all of this in this amount of time. Like it's absolutely mind blowing. It can be. And I, you know, it's always interesting when I'm on stage and Obviously, in podcast form, you don't have the benefit of, of seeing me, but I'll say, you know, this whole journey for me started 12 years ago, and I have to stop and call out the fact that I look like a 12-year-old myself. <laughs> um, and even though I'm not, you know, I am in, I'm 26 now, but I, I do, I could definitely pull off those teenage looks still today. But even 26 is young for what I've done. And it was, this whole journey for me was very much expedited. It was not planned. I never planned to be an entrepreneur or a speaker or run an organization. This whole journey for me started back in high school. So what you have to understand is that when my parents got divorced when I was little, we moved around all the time. Every year we were moving somewhere new, my mom and my younger sisters. And one of those moves was the summer before high school. So I was starting at this big high school, 1,500 students, didn't know anyone, which was daunting in and of itself. And I had some of the hardest few weeks of my life starting ninth grade. I didn't know how to make friends. I was having a lot of trouble connecting with people. And I ultimately decided that I had landed in the worst high school in the country or the world. And I figured my ticket out of that feeling of loss and loneliness was a transfer somewhere to a different school, somewhere else that I'd be able to make friends and be happy. So I go to my school counselor. I ask him for a transfer basically telling him anywhere else would be better than here. And my school counselor at the time, Mr. Conte, basically said before he would entertain a transfer, he wanted me to sign up for a handful of clubs and councils, 
and community initiatives that he felt matched my hobbies and interests. And I just thought this was some formality I had to kick out of the way in order to get the transfer. So I went and kind of begrudgingly signed up for the clubs and councils and, and committees. And lo and behold, a few days later, I was walking down the hallway and I remember this moment so clearly. I turned to close my locker and I'm walking down the hallway and this guy is walking down the hallway towards me and he kind of turns his head and we lock eyes for a second and he just smiles and nods at me. And I smile and nod back and we keep walking. And I know that sounds so trivial and insignificant, but that moment signaled the first time that I had really felt seen and connected a part of something. And it was because I knew that guy. We had just run a radio show together. We were on the radio team together. We had run a radio show a couple days earlier. And I knew someone. There was this moment of connection, even though no words were spoken, even though it was just eye contact and there were several feet between us. It was this moment of, I'm not alone. And that kind of kept repeating itself. I was talking to people in the halls because I was making friends. People were tapping me on the shoulder in my classes in the afternoon, asking me questions about the club we were part of together. And the more I got involved in the community, the more I felt like I was actually part of one. And that was a huge mindset shift for me, even at 13 years old, to realize, oh, you know, nothing about the school had to change. I just had to change. I just had to plug into my community. And the more I got involved, the better everything else became. And the more I got involved, the more I realized most people in my school weren't really involved in anything at all. And suddenly it made sense to me why so many students hate school, why so many adults hate their job. It really has nothing to do with the physical function of the job or what you're doing in classes. It's about all the wasted time in between, all the lack of connection that really presents the greatest opportunity for us to feel as whole as we can, to feel the utmost joy, our greatest levels of, of happiness to reach our full potential. We have to actually physically, emotionally, and mentally connect with one another. And that's really where the idea for Count Me In was first born. Mm. And what have you found from your travels in terms of witnessing other communities thrive that you are now integrating into these businesses. I mean, you work with some of the business biggest, largest companies in the world, helping them recognize the importance of community and how to actually integrate it into the fundamentals of their culture so that they can upgrade everything. And I'm curious what those principles you've seen have worked, how you're helping them integrate these principles into their businesses and what that would look like for someone who is like, okay, that sounds amazing. And I want to do that, but maybe I don't have the courage or I'm scared or I don't know how to fundamentally start implementing some of these things. Hmm. Connection is something that fundamentally connects every single one of us. We're social animals and we crave that kind of connection with one another, whether you're introvert or extrovert, doesn't matter. We all want to feel like we're part of a tribe or community. And when I'm working with companies, my, my clients, it's really helping them make that mindset shift to realize that the more priority we place on that human connection, the more everything else in our, in our lives, professionally and personally, begins to thrive. So it's about being relatable. It's about being a storyteller, being present in every interaction, being optimistic. These are the values that have risen to the top of the pile in every culture and every country that I've been to. And what I 
realized to be fundamentally true was that whether I was celebrating the new year with locals in Vietnam, cheering on a soccer match in Mexico, or meditating in an Arab settlement in the deserts of Israel, every chapter of my travels was rich with this level of human connection. And it was never about the meal or the hike or the big event. It was always about the people I was sharing that experience with. Even if we had only met, even if we didn't speak the same language or come from the same background, it was having that shared experience that made the moment valuable to me, that made it something worth remembering and brought my level of presence to a different level. It amplifies everything and you're able to optimize everything when you're actually coming together as a team, as a group, or as a community. I call it a plus one experience. So it's the difference between reading a great novel versus being in a book club. The difference between binge watching all the Harry Potter movies on your own versus lining up at the theater for the midnight premiere dressed in costumes. Or it's why we'll spend hundreds of dollars on a ticket to see Bruce Springsteen or Beyonce live in concert. It's because not necessarily it's going to be the best quality sound you've ever heard. It's possible that your AirPods might actually give you a better listening experience, you know, with that mastered album. But we go not for the sound quality, but for the experience, the vibe, the energy of being surrounded by hundreds, thousands of others taking in the same moment together. Oh, wow. Yes, I'm in full agreement. I was actually having flashbacks to when I backpacked the world for a couple of years alone. And I couldn't speak the language of most of the people I was around, but yet there was such a sense of welcoming in other parts of the world that gave me that sense of community, whether it was in Peru and, and a family welcomed me into their home or whether I was in Singapore and I was teaching English. It didn't matter where I was. I always felt as if, which when I came back here, there was almost this moment of sadness because I didn't feel that. And I knew that, that it was something that I had to create here. I always felt like there was just arms open, heart wide, a welcoming of, okay, I see you human to human and you're part of this world. And so I'm sure other people have had different experiences while traveling, but I think because I was so open to that connection, I experienced in other parts of the world that I didn't experience here. And so I love that that was your experience as well. And I think that's why I encourage so many people to get out and to travel to see that there are these communities that are thriving because that's the fundamental principle of how they live. And I think as we shift that here in the States, we're going to see, we're going to see bullying decrease. We're going to see violence and the self harm and all the things that are happening here decrease more and more as people have this touch point of community and connection, which makes me really hopeful. Me too. And I love what you pointed at there. Community isn't something that you find. It took me traveling around the world to realize you can't really find it somewhere. It's something you create. And we all have that same power, regardless of where we live, what our background is, to be a community builder, to create that sense of community in our own lives, at home, with our family, with friends, and at work. Yes. And I am curious for the listener who maybe is like, wow, that sounds really great. And it's so great that you've had the courage to step into this, but I can't find that in myself. Like I'm scared to be the one who starts that because what I have found too, as someone who teaches copywriting and helps people with their businesses, the businesses that are really thriving right now are ones of creating movements, creating movements around something that is bigger than themselves because people want to be part of something, but most people don't want to lead it. 
And so for that person who is like, I don't want to lead it. (laughs) I'm scared to lead it. What is your advice to them? And for someone listening who maybe has a teenager or someone who's younger that they're supporting in this process where there is just a disconnect to them finding that community that is supportive of them. Well, let's combine those two because I actually think there's a lot of parallels between parenting and being a corporate or community leader. So whether I'm talking to a CEO or the parent of a teen, I think some of the principles are fundamentally the same. One of which being, I see leadership as first and foremost listening. So if you ask my team at Count Me In what leadership means to them, they'll say, well, Shane always says he's a leading listener within the organization. That's how I choose to wear my CEO hat. It's by being a leading listener. And I think teens want to feel the same thing, right? As a parent, you're not going to get through to them as well if you're dictating their actions, if you're trying to control them versus you listening and being an open book and creating time and space for them to express themselves. I think employees at any age are very similar to teens growing up, right? We all want to feel that sense of independence. We want that support system from our authority figures or leaders, be it government, CEO, or parent, right? We want to feel like there's that safety net that if we fall, something's going to catch us. And at the same time, we want to be able to stretch our legs, to make our own choices, to innovate, to be creative, and to make our own decisions. So... If you look at yourself, you know, the idea of being a quote unquote leader seems intimidating. It's not you. You're more shy or more introverted, whatever the case may be. Try and reframe it as being a leading listener. When we spend more time listening, showing up and just giving our energy to others, opening up and creating space and time for others to express themselves. I believe that is the most valuable leadership quality that anyone can embody. And I do believe that anyone can embody that. It's less about a skill and more about a practice. So think about any exercise, what you do at the gym or yoga, cycling. These aren't skills that you're working on to perfect. They're practices that you do every week or every day. The same can be said about leadership, especially when it comes to listening and creating this kind of space for others to become their full expressions of themselves. Mm. I love what you mentioned about being an introvert in the sense of often I've seen my clients and often in my own experience, because I was bullied in high school, I told myself a story and created a story for so many years that I was an introvert. And being an introvert means that I don't have friends. It means I don't have community. It means that I stay safe in my bubble by alone, you know? And so that kept me from the community experience. It kept me from having friends for so long. And until I did the internal work on myself where I witnessed, okay, if I were to heal this story and the story was not to be true anymore. What would that look like for myself? And that doesn't mean that as it, you know, I think we're stuck in this belief system often. And so often we use that or we use a different mindset and stories and beliefs around keeping ourselves small and disconnected from humanity. And I just offer that as an opportunity to really shift and do the inner work so that you can also witness what parts of you are holding yourself back. I'm curious if you see that 
ever as well, where it's really just a, it, the healing component that has to take place too. Because it sounds like with your story, you were just like, all of a sudden, you're just like the shift just happened. But I think for some people, the healing also needs to take place. Well, I don't think the shift just happened as much as it is happening. I think I'm of a shift. And I think that's going to continue. Like I, I see life as one consistent shift. I'm always learning and growing and developing. And the moment you stop learning and developing, I believe you start dying. So I'm always looking for new ways to challenge myself and to push the bounds. And one of those has been similar to you pushing the bounds of what it means to be introverted. I've always known myself to be an introvert. But the way that I reflect on that is that it's very much about a self-care practice of recharging. I know that I love social time. I love meaningful connection with others and always have, but I find it deeply exhausting. So even if I'm at a party with my closest friends, I'll need to remove myself once or twice throughout the afternoon or evening and just kind of be by myself. Even if it's just for a minute or two, I need that or I'll just pass out from exhaustion. I just know how to monitor that and self-regulate so that I can still be part of those rich social and community atmospheres without it being taxing on my own mental or physical health. In contrast, I remember growing up, I remember as if it was yesterday, I remember on a bike ride with my mom as a kid breaking out into these full body sobs and tears. And she comes over, she's like, what's wrong? Did you hurt yourself? And for whatever reason, I don't know where my brain was or what I was reflecting on, but all I remember saying is you never taught me how to make friends. Oh, wow. And I just broke down in tears. You know, I was barely a teenager and I'm just totally distraught. And it was this deep loneliness that I felt, this disconnect where I didn't know how to really connect with my peers. I didn't feel like I had good friends. And it was me navigating at the time what I now realize to be this introvert yet socially minded person that I am, where I, you know, I need this kind of connection, but it is such a challenge to get there. And it's taken me my entire life until now. And I continue to, to work on this, this practice to figure out how to strive to make those connections while still honor the person I am, the introvert that I am, and find the balance between the two. Hey there, friend. Are you loving this podcast? I want to continue to support you. So the simplest way to do this is to head over to sarahannstewart.com and pop into the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you never, ever miss any details of our new projects, products, upcoming events, or issues that are near or dear to my heart. You're also going to get access to the movement. This is the inner circle of people just like you standing in their power to bring more truth and a new level of consciousness where all individuals get to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So pop on over to sarahannstewart.com and subscribe, and I'll see you on the inside. What are some of your other self-care practices for someone who's listening who potentially is an introvert and could use what you do to shift into that experience so that they can go out and they can have the connection in the community, but then also recharge in a way that is serving them from a place of not getting 
exhausted or in overwhelm. It's really interesting. So you know my husband and my husband actually is extreme extrovert and he gets his energy from <laughs> from being out and like mm. being with people. And I'm the complete opposite where I have to have my space and my alone time. And so mm. I think when we understand who we are, the core of who we are, and we embrace that and embody that, that gives us the opportunity to not feel bad about how we're operating, but just to say, okay, if I'm going to operate from this place, this is what I need in order to thrive. And so I'm curious what for you, what are some other practices that you are finding yourself doing often? I love your husband. He's amazing. (laughs) But for me, it definitely takes a lot of uh, work and intention to be able to thrive in mm-hmm. setting with him, right? To be able to find that balance between what I'd say, you know, of myself, an extreme introvert versus him, an extreme extrovert. So I think regardless of where you fall on that spectrum, because it is a spectrum of introvert and an extrovert, and you fall somewhere along that vast spectrum, to me, making connection with others, being a community builder, having positive social experiences on the regular is really all about energy. It's about energy regulation. So my self-care practices, I believe, are valuable to embed into your daily life, regardless of where you fall on that on that spectrum. This is my energy regulation process. I wake up every single day, and the very first thing that I do is work out. So I do strength training five days a week, and the other two days are a mix-up of uh, cardio or yoga or something like that. Now, that might be a different exercise process for you, but for me, it's about getting the blood flowing and being physically active and sweating right out of the gate, right when I wake up, because that's going to physiologically bring my brain to a place of being able to connect with others. If I haven't given myself that physical exertion, I won't be able to be my best self, period. I know me and I know that to be true. Right after that physical exertion, I need some mental cognitive exertion. And for me, that's about reading. So I need to dive deep into an amazing fiction or nonfiction book right after I work out. This is before I've turned on my phone. This is before I've checked email. Uh, This is first thing in the morning. I need the physical exertion followed by the mental stimulation. And after that, then I dive into whatever I need to do work-wise for that morning. Again, I haven't turned on my phone yet. I haven't checked email yet. I'm starting to work on whatever I know I need to do first out of the gate that day. The first things on my list of undertakings for you, that might be prepping your kids. It might be going to the office and doing physical work. It might be paperwork, whatever that is. But I've already checked off the physical and the mental stimulation boxes, which are huge. And then in the afternoon, I'll take a one-hour break from work and life and social time, and I'll go for a tech-free walk. So I will leave my phone at home, I will completely unplug, and I will go for a walk. Uh, This happens almost every single afternoon, um, regardless of weather or time of year. I will go outside, I need to be with nature, I need to go out into the city, and I need to just be present, no music, no phone calls, eye contact with others as I pass by, saying hello to people as I pass them on the sidewalk and just being a human and feeling like a human. So those are the biggest everyday practices that help me self-regulate. I love that. I love the disconnect from the technology. I think it's really important that we just get back to ourselves. I find that when people do have that time, they 
have a heightened sense of their own intuition and their ability to just be with themselves and hear their truth versus looking outside of them for the answers, which I think is, is very easy to experience in today's world because when we want to make a step in a direction, it's easy to get so many different opinions. We even see this on social media, right? Where sure. like people literally ask their communities, what should I do about X instead of trusting themselves? And so I think that that is one of the things for me that has been the most profound. And during that time, I always ask the questions that I want the answers to from an internal place of understanding versus the external. I think that that's so crucial. I'm curious in terms of right now what's happening with quarantine and witnessing just shifts in community and them going online, even though we are disconnected because we're online. I'm curious your concerns on this or if you feel like communities are thriving during this time. What do you see happening and what would be your advice to people who want to build community during this time as we don't know how long this is going to continue? I think technology is a really interesting thing. We're living in this time where a lot of people, particularly parents of, of teenagers and even younger kids, often it's easy to see technology as the bad guy. You look at all the time you're spending on phones or devices and it looks like a waste. It looks like we're disconnected. But I actually think that this, you know, Gen Z, this digital generation that's being born into the technologically advanced world today, they're kind of onto something. All the time they're spending naturally on FaceTime, on TikTok, on Instagram, Snapchat, they are valuing face to face or a version of face to face communication, unlike anything we've seen before using technology. So you might see it as so much time spent on their phones, but think about the number of hours that have been spent by previous generations handwriting letters and being on, on phones without any face-to-face -face opportunity, uh, sending emails in the latter years, text messages. A lot of it has been text-based. A lot of it has, has perhaps been vocal. But now we have this generation that's growing up with, at their fingertips, the ability to, even when they are physically distanced, whether they're in quarantine, whether they live in a different country, they're able to connect in a much deeper way. Technology is amazing. I think the tools that we have today are wildly valuable and are, when used effectively, they're able to allow us to connect with one another in a really rich way. It may not ever replace actual face-to-face -face in the flesh interaction. I don't think anything in the world could replace that. And we all need that to some extent, but it certainly is an incredible step up from a text-based email or you know, emoji filled iMessages or any of those other you know, text or, or non-face-to-face communications that we're used to using more often. Yeah, it's waking me up to the fact that why am I doing calls with my friends when I could be doing Zoom and actually see them and experience their emotion? Like, I think that there's profound opportunity right now to witness what it means to see each other face to face. And even my friends who I had a call yesterday with a friend and she was like, we've been trying to plan coffee for a month in LA. And now we are here on Zoom, looking at one another with our coffee, having the same somewhat experience, but what took us a month to get to this point, now you realize that you can do that in any moment. And mm -hmm. I think that that is such a profound awakening in the sense where people 
are now recognizing that they can do FaceTime with their parents. Like I had my first FaceTime dinner with my entire family. My brother's in, in Florida. My dad is in Malibu quarantined and we're here and Craig's family. We all had a big dinner virtually, which we've never done before. And it brought us all together. So I think there is really an amazing opportunity right now to see that in isolation, we can still have these connections. So I, I agree. I love that. And of course, you know, no one's trying to say that that Zoom dinner is going to be the same as or replace an actual in-person dinner, the entire family being around the table together, passing around the food. You know, we're not saying that, but it is, I don't think it's unreasonable to say it's just a few notches below that. Mm -hmm. It is still real connection, real communication. One of my clients runs these communal meals for her entire team, all of her staff every Wednesday. And now that they are all working from home remotely, they're still doing their Wednesday lunches. They're sharing their meal over Zoom together. And it's just mm-hmm. this powerful opportunity to have that kind of connection, of course, in a different way virtually, but still sharing a meal in some capacity, having that kind of lunchtime conversation, letting the synergy flow. And I think it's something that we should all spend a little bit more of our virtual time doing. It's asking ourselves, how can we make this connection 10% better? Even if you need to do it virtually, even if you need to do it over technology, you can't be there in person. How can you make that connection 10% better, 10% more vibrant, 10% more personal? And it's something that I've been asking myself for many years because I started traveling when I was in my, my late teens. And suddenly I was traveling around the world, not seeing my family trying to maintain some friendships. And there's no way that was going to be done as effectively over phone calls or postcards. And at the time, FaceTime was recently being developed. Skype was already a big thing. And I was taking every opportunity I could to hook into Wi-Fi in whatever country I was in to actually have face-to-face conversations with my mom, with my sisters, uh, with anyone back home that perhaps I wasn't going to see for months. Mm. I'm having a flashback to when I went to Europe and I had to literally put quarters in the payphones to call my parents. <laughs> I'm like, that wasn't that long ago. Like, it's no, so it's profound. I too. It's, it's interesting kind of growing up where, you know, I feel like my childhood, it was like one year I was putting quarters in a payphone. The next year I had my first Nokia flip phone. Mm-hmm. And suddenly the eye touch was a thing. And then suddenly I was holding a smartphone. It's great. Like year after year, there were these massive developments as we were growing up. I know it's wild. My first cell phone was one that was, it was as big as a purse and you could only <laughs> use it for emergencies. <laughs> and my parents were like, okay, we're getting this to you for emergencies. So if something happens at school or you need to reach us. But I remember mm-hmm. being probably, I don't know, six, seven pounds. It was really, really heavy. It's just amazing. And then before that, we had pagers. It's just really interesting to think back and just feel the gratitude for what we have now and how we can connect if we so desire. Especially now, right? When we're in this Mm -hmm. place of being isolated in so many ways around the world through this whole COVID-19 coronavirus situation and pandemic, so many countries, the vast majority of countries are in some form of serious physical isolation or quarantine. And so how much more challenging, perhaps even impossible, would it be to maintain the level of connection that we have with our friends and colleagues 
if this was happening even 10 years ago. Think about the amount of technology that has been developed in just the last decade. And it's, it's remarkable the number of ways that we can connect in, you know, all these vibrant digital virtual spaces as opposed to just having the phone or just having pagers. It's like remember or imagine if we we're still in that, you know, putting quarters in the payphone days where we would all seriously be experiencing drastically higher levels of loneliness right now than I believe we actually are. Right. I am in full agreement. I wanted to dive deep into Count Me In because it's something that I think so many people would will and be inspired to get involved in and support. And so you guys have done 30,000 projects worldwide and contributed a value of 2.6 billion to the global economy through service, which is insanity. <laughs> like this is, this is mind blowing. So t- let's talk about what Count Me In the fundamentals of what it is, how people can get involved and kind of what the outlook for it is, like what's your goals and how's it growing and how can people be of service? So Count Me and started as that project back in high school. In ninth grade, I realized how many students were not involved in the community. I saw them going through the motions, hating school, oftentimes dropping out. And I just figured that the ticket to a deeper sense of fulfillment And at the time, the language I used was just like happiness. I just wanted people to be happier at school was getting involved in the school community and the greater community. So Count Me and started as this idea to inspire the goal was 50 kids in my own school to get involved in the community and then have this process to actually connect students with different clubs, community opportunities and volunteer projects that are the right fit for them. So that was the starting point. And that was almost 12 years ago now. So fast forward to today, Count Me In is a social entrepreneurship incubator. So what that means is that we exist to inspire the next generation to create projects that connect them with their community and give back to both themselves and all those around them. So these projects may range from big events to entire organizations and charities to clubs within a college or high school environment. And we've now uh, worked with and inspired more than 10 million students. Our programs have reached students in 104 countries around the world. uh, And all of it exists to support these students, give them the tools, resources, and inspiration to be community builders and community leaders in their own neighborhood and school. Mm. I love that. I think it's really important that this next generation is open to the belief of entrepreneurship. I feel very lucky because my parents were entrepreneurs. And so that's the life that I saw. And so I grew up with a mindset of, okay, if you want to do something, you go and create it. The interesting part was that I grew up with parents that because they had brick and mortar business where they stayed at home, the shift for me going online was very challenging. And I had a lot of stories around that. And so I witnessed in myself this ability to say, okay, well, I can be an entrepreneur, but I, but I know what it is like to build a business that's fundamentally structured in like a store or a shop or something like that. And so that's what I built. But I think giving kids the opportunity at such a young age to just think outside the box for anything they desire will create such radical shifts. And I've just noticed that for myself in terms of even my friends who didn't grow up in the entrepreneur space 
the jump to think about entrepreneurship is such a huge vibrational leap, if that makes sense. Like it's, it's such a huge jump to be like, okay, I'm going from, I have to work nine to five and I go to school to entrepreneurship. And so I'm just so grateful for you for doing this because I think it's literally transforming our life as, as we can see in the numbers and the impact and the output of what these kids are creating. I wish we could see the, the videos here because everyone was in tears at Rising Glen, like, oh my gosh. So I encourage you guys to just go and where can they find out more? Where can they see what you're doing? Witness all of the beautiful experiences that are coming out of this. Yeah, if you want to see some of these projects in action and learn more about Count Me In, I encourage you to visit uh, cmimovement.com. So CMI, like Count Me In, cmimovement.com. And there's there's videos and resources and all kinds of content on there and all of our other programs. It's been interesting definitely also watching Count Me In unfold over the last 12 years, realizing that it was never a goal to encourage entrepreneurship in the formal sense. We're not under any the disillusion that we have, you know, 10.2 million students around the world that are going to grow up and become entrepreneurs and start their own businesses. That's not the goal. What we see entrepreneurship as first and foremost is a gateway to soft and hard skills that really any employer or school is looking for in their employees or students, right? We're talking about things like leadership, initiative, what it looks like to be self-motivated, what it looks like to communicate better, right? These are things that, of course, are important and very much critical to be a successful entrepreneur. But also, I'd argue to have any impact, to scale impact in any way, and to lead a life of meaning and fulfillment, you need to have this kind of entrepreneur mindset today. It's less a desirable attribute and as much as I think a needed skill today. We should all be aspiring to exercise the entrepreneur within us and find some of those skills and develop them. Mm, I love how you explain that. Thank you. I'm curious for someone who wants to get involved in the sense of bringing it into their communities. What is the process like? Is there a training involved if someone wants to start this for their teenagers at home? What does that look like? We have all sorts of resources for a variety of different programs and projects. So we have a team of coaches that coach students online, and that's entirely free. We do that worldwide. So we have a team of coaches that are actually there to help students develop their own grassroots events, or we call them connected community projects. So basically any project that brings your community together in any way around a cause that you care about. Uh, we have the, the Global Student Leadership Summit that we produce every year. We have all kinds of video content, an on-demand library of hours and hours of inspiring content. Uh, picture TED Talks meets student leadership meets actual actionable tips. That's kind of our video library. Uh, we have curriculum content that is being used in schools around the world, uh, from Israel to Australia to the U.S., and we also have a teen mentorship series. So if you have a teenager at home and you're looking for an engaging video series that'll actually help equip your teen with the skills and behaviors to be less stressed 
and, and more successful, then our video series could be an excellent fit for them that it kind of brings a virtual mentor uh, into your home through computer and video. Um, so there are all kinds of programs, projects, and resources. I encourage you to visit cmimovement.com, which will uh, help point you in all those different directions. It's amazing. And now is the time because we have time. <laughs> we, well, have we, the time. have time. we might feel like we have a bit more time now, but it's still the same 24 hours. And I know. A hundred percent. Right. I'm just hearing a lot of moms reaching out to me and asking, what can we do with this time for our kids? So I think this mm-hmm. is a really, really awesome opportunity for them to start to think about this before they go back to school in in the fall. So I think this is going to be an amazing resource for so many people listening. Thank you so much. What's coming up for you? What's the next big project, exploration, adventure? (laughs) What's on the horizon for what you're doing and creating and and becoming? Well, I spend about 75% of my time now on tour speaking. So typically that's in person, you know, speaking at large conferences, meetings, corporate events, whether it's entrepreneurship or general large corporate conferences. And right now that's kind of turned into this whole virtual keynoting space where instead of traveling and being on site for a big event or convention, I'm actually zooming into them and giving keynotes virtually, which has been interesting skill that I continue to, to develop and exercise and I love it. It's you know, a way to connect with audiences that still need that content, even though they can't congregate together in the same wonderful space. So that's still a core focus of mine. I'm always creating new content. I've been working on a book for a while and just looking for more creative and meaningful ways to support other people and finding a community leader within them whether it's at home with their family, at work, and and being a resource and support system for as many people as I can. Mm, thank you so much. And thank you for being here. I am so thankful for you, the work you're doing, how you show up in the world, how you're just a leader in the space of, of creating community and helping people thrive through connection. And so thank you for the work you're doing. And thank you for being here. Likewise, Sarah, I'm grateful to be here. And uh, anyone listening, uh, please, please know that I wish you could see me because I, it's hard to come across, I think, as approachable as I am <laughs> over audio. Please find me, reach out, whether it's my website, shanebeldman.com or, or Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, like, you name it, reach out. Tell me that, you know, you, you found me through Sarah and I, I would just love to be a resource and support system for you if there's anything I can do. I need to help you or be a support system, please, my my physical and virtual door is always open to you. Any friend of Sarah is a friend of mine. Ah, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be reaching out, using your resources, going online, watching those mentorship videos. I, I truly believe this is the time to do all of this. Like I, I'm just such a huge believer that the world in and of itself needs an upgrade and we're, we're in it and we're feeling it and we recognize it. And the beautiful thing right now, which I'm so thankful for is the amount of free resource online. I was just on your site last night watching all of your speakers and their reels and what they're doing and how they're changing lives. And I, I just had this like boost of energy and momentum and inspiration. And I was so excited to talk to you today. So I'm like, wow, it's just incredible that we get to sit at home and be inspired. And so thank you for creating those those resources and 
I look forward to seeing you back in LA or somewhere in the world soon. <laughs> yes, as, as wonderful as these virtual chats are that we've been talking up this last 45 minutes, I cannot wait to actually, you know, grab an awesome juice with you yeah. uh, in, in LA very, very soon. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful. I'm excited for that as well. Thanks, Sarah. I deeply trust that this conversation came at the perfect moment for us all to listen to. Connection has always been the key ingredient in creating lasting communities of people. Over the last decade, we've started to create communities on the internet. And while it has created significant value in building businesses and sustaining relationships with friends and family, there are other aspects in which Shane shared that we need to truly remember and bring ourselves back to so that we can all continue to thrive. My challenge this week is for you to remember that it is our job to be a voice that empowers people to define their truth, whatever that is for them, and support them in finding the right community for them, just as Shane's counselor did for him. I encourage you this week also to dive into Shane's training so that you can foster the skills and the mindset to start empowering others and build community for yourself as well. I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. It was a conversation that I believe we can all benefit specifically with what's happening in the world right now. If you enjoyed it, please go also listen to my podcast with Sarah Wells as we approach a similar topic from a different angle to empower others to believe in themselves and through this create community. Also drop a message on Instagram. If you've been listening to these podcasts, let me know what's resonating. What do you want to hear more of? How can I support you to be happier and healthier? I want to connect with you. Please reach out. I am here for you. You can find me on the gram at Sarah Ann Stewart. And until next time, I'm sending you so much love wherever you are in the world. And I'm trusting that you are safe. and All right. That concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you, but hang tight. Cause I have one last thought. You're here right now because you are ready because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it but you are here. You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. You too can feel awesome from the inside out.